Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment, but running the boards is Joey D. Hey. And today is Friday. We will be talking with Gareth Von Kallenbach about Halloween and Hollywood. We'll talk to Joe about the foundation. We'll be interested to see how he has to say about this one. That's right. It's been a roller coaster. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, BJGeekNation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search Ooh. for BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Or BJ Shea. <laughs> Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey. Uh, Exactly. So many ways to get a hold of us. Uh, Let us know about all the geeky fun stuff that you're excited about. I know on Twitter we've got a good friend in a drifting nerd who sends us a lot of trailers and a lot of fun stuff out there. And uh, keep doing that. Uh, Really appreciate what you do there. And even if you're just a person who passively listens and doesn't want to interact, thank you for downloading our podcast. Really do appreciate all of that. Um, let's get right into some fun stuff with Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach talking about spooky season and more. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed, that is SKNR.net. And in just over a week, it's, well, it's spooky season now, but Halloween will be upon us. And that means some video games are doing some Halloween stuff. Uh, what is Call of Duty doing, uh, Gareth? Well, this was rather interesting. They had a uh, Halloween theme uh, that is centered around scream and uh oh. you know perfect timing because we just got the trailer for the film the latest film that's coming out next year and while they said for those that are playing Warzone, verdansk is going to get uh the dark nighttime setting they're calling this segment the haunting but what they did for call of duty was add uh various things now obviously there's like the ghost face cosmetic so mm-hmm. if you want to run around uh essentially as ghost face with a submachine gun or an assault rifle, you can do that. But what really made it fun was they did two things. First, they took the classic Nuketown map. And for those who may or may not know, it's a very popular one that they have adapted over the years that whenever there's a new black ops, I, you know, help me out here. I think we've had one with a fifties theme, one with an eighties theme. Totally. there was a futuristic one. I believe we even had a Christmas one one year. There's, there's been a few. This one is a straight Halloween theme, and it was very cleverly done. It even has the, you know, Danny Elfman-esque jaunty Halloween music playing <laughs> as you uh, are in the menus and stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then they have a Scream Deathmatch. And this is very fun because it's, uh, it's, I believe it was about five rounds long is what I played. And it's a single elimination. And usually the one and done stuff doesn't work for me. But this was a lot of fun. So they took any of the standard Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War maps. But, and this one for us was downtown Miami. But what they do is you don't have any weaponry. I know someone ended up with like a flashbang or something, but (laughs) no weaponry, just your fists. Two people are assigned to be ghost face hunters at random each round. And it's very simple. If you're ghost faced, you hunt down and stab. You have a little stabber and you can take out the uh, other players. If you're the other players, you have to hide and try to make it through the end of the round. But you do have the option. As I said, someone someone somehow got a flashbang. I don't know how they did. 
or you can punch and try to take out, uh, you know, Ghostface that way. Did not do well in the earlier rounds. I came in late. <laughs> I, I So I was getting owned for two. I went from trying to attack him to trying to hide. <laughs> Run for your life. Uh, and then in the third round, which was the final for me, uh, I got to play Ghostface, and I took down three of them. Nice. And uh, <laughs> it was good. The other guy got a couple, but a, a few. we lost the round because a couple people apparently found some hedges to hide in and were very good at hiding until the <laughs> round was over. But it has some little sound drops and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. We put up some video and everything like that. And I, I, if your idea of fun is chasing someone and stabbing them from behind, yeah. <laughs> and if you want to keep, if you want to keep those same controls, because I know like something like uh, Dead by Daylight has uh, different controls. If you still want to play uh, your your familiar Call of Duty things, this is a, a fun way to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Now, also, uh, Fallout seventy six, which is one of my favorite things, they're actually doing a uh, Halloween event that's going on right now as well, and they've got a really fun twist on it. Oh, absolutely! And they have gone really all out for it. And of course, there'll be the you know the packs and the cosmetics and stuff like that. But just some of the many things they have, and it runs through November second, which is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Is they have the spooky scorched. You have like you know extra buffs and things like that that are available with a Halloween theme. But then they have things like you can get candy out at your base. You can get a popcorn machine for your camp. <laughs> There's a candy bowl you could get, things of that nature. And it's like that's always a lot of fun when you can go in and just mix it up a bit because – as you know, I you know I played Fallout seventy six quite extensively, but I I'm at the point now where I don't. It, it's not uncommon for a large gap of time to go between when I play it again. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, I go back in when there's something new. The you know the the daily events and stuff like that, or the weekly events, those are fine. I go in for, for when there was new content. The Brotherhood of the Steel updates that they yeah. had, those definitely get me back because that advances the story. You know, if I'm I'm kind of bored, you know, I'll, I'll go in, but what just the whole nature of, hey, there's a special event here where you can get a, you know, whatever, doesn't draw me back in. I want something different that advances it. This is something that would get me back in because at the very least I want to run around, have a look and get some of that gear for the uh, camp. Oh, totally. That's a lot of the fun of it, too. I mean, the community is pretty amazing when it comes down to Fallout 76. So letting them kind of do all of this stuff uh, really, really enhances it all at this point. Absolutely. And, you know, and look, anytime you can take on the Scorched is always fun. And if they have a <laughs> Halloween look to them, all the better. And, you know, I, I'm also that sicko that pops out of the power armor and eats them if the food supply is low. So, oh, you weird cannibal. You know, <laughs> deal with the red worms later and it's, it's great halloween video right there oh my god yeah it is that's hilarious uh and then finally uh off of the halloween stuff but moving on to hollywood it looks like we narrowly avoided having a hollywood shutdown absolutely this thing was pretty severe and what was interesting is that while the discussions were going on it really didn't become a focal point in the news till about a week, two week and a half before yeah. it happened. It was supposed to happen. The shutdown was uh, potentially going to happen as soon as this past Monday, and they resolved it over the weekend. And what is so interesting is if you look back over the Hollywood strikes, we have had director strikes, mm -hmm. we've had actors uh, situations, and we've had writers and the people with that. And it's usually, you know, money 
working conditions, residuals, uh, how you know, back in the day, how much per each DVD am I going to get? How much for every time it's shown on HBO, all this sort of stuff. Well, what people didn't uh, pay a lot of attention to, and it, it's kind of sad because essentially these are the people that don't get a lot of the credit, but good luck trying to put on a production without them. And this uh, is what is essentially referred to as the uh, stage employees. And for people that don't know, these are the grips who have to move things around the set. These are the makeup people. These are the sound people. These are the camera technicians, all of them. And while there was obviously money was an issue, one of the big issues was things like working conditions. Some of them had said, especially under COVID, that they were they had to skip meals that the meal oh, breaks geez, had to be skipped yeah. they had to they said things like the amount of downtime between when they break for the day and resume was below what it should have been um you know on and on and on and then of course there was an issue with pay uh, about living wage because apparently since a lot of stuff is being done for streaming companies now there's a huge difference in what a streaming company might pay versus what a TV network for over the air would pay versus what a theatrical uh, cinematic release production would pay. So oh, wow. they had a real big issue. And like some of the concessions that they won was a 3% retro wage um, increase. They are supposed to get apparently a 32 to 54 hour minimum weekend rest time. And then apparently they are going to have be given at least a 10-hour break between when they finish uh, shooting or working for the day between when they have to uh, resume. And, you know, you think about it. Some of these films have to film at night. You've heard, you know, they're, they're up at 2 in the morning filming night scenes because we only have so many hours of night. And, you know, the situation is, okay, we're going to stop at daylight, and then I want you all back here at 9 o'clock. And it's like, yeah, that's two hours. That's not going to fly. So, <laughs> you know, thing, things of that nature, uh, pension plans, you know, making sure they get their meal time. All of this, and apparently the you know they came to an agreement. Um, every intents and purposes that I've heard is that they expect it to be, are uh, you know accepted by the rank and file, and things are going to move ahead. Thank goodness. I mean, it's a good idea to pay the people who are creating the stuff, not just the directors, not just the writers, everybody on the crew, and give them the chance to eat some damn food. I mean, this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. And the fact that they're at least going to hopefully come to that full agreement um, and avoid all of this, I think it's going to be good because I just remember the writer's strike and having to deal with uh, shows like Cavemen uh, on, on TV as and a lot of realities as opposed to actual real content. Oh, absolutely. And if anybody's ever been on a film set, yeah, certain jobs have an element of hurry up and wait. I mean, you always hear the story about Mm -hmm. the actors and the actresses go to their trailer when they are not filming. But and people say, well, yeah, you know, if you're doing that, you may be on the set 12, 14, 15 hours, but you're only going to work for so many hours out of that. And the rest of the time you're on the set waiting to be called. And it's like, right, but these are the people who are not. These are the people that are moving the camera from one place to another, getting it ready for the actors to come out, moving stuff around, you know, uh, look at Star Trek. You ever hear the stories about how many hours, or even the Orville, how many hours it takes to get some of these people in and out of their makeup in order to be, uh, you know, filmed and stuff like that. And that's where that comes in. 
and, you know, the tables with the craft services where these people can't eat, they're lucky to basically grab a donut or a bag of chips or an apple off the table and a cup of coffee uh, as they go right back to their, uh, you know, job. And that's kind of where everything's coming from. Exactly. And I mean, it's just good the fact that hopefully everything will be alleviated. We'll avoid that stuff. People can get paid. And I know that if there's any changes in it, you will be on that pulse. You'll be able to throw out all that information and people can find that at Skewed and Reviewed where they can find it at SKNR.net. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, you can find all of his information at SKNR.net. Now we need to talk about that roller coaster ride that is Joe watching television shows. Yeah. Uh, this time it is still out there in space, and we've been uh, going over this a couple of uh, uh, for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Apple TV Plus has the Foundation, which is based off of Isaac Asimov's work and a a sprawling epic that has uh, is captured Joe, and then it kind of got away from Joe, and then we're kind of seeing where he's at at this point in time now. How many episodes are we at at this point? So number six comes out today. Okay, yes, that's right. So I will review number five for you. Perfect, perfect. Because, yeah, we want to make sure not spoil it for anybody. That's right, which you will get a lot spoiled if you don't watch this episode to episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first two episodes we had, main characters that disappeared in the next two ep- and the th- episode three and four, which yeah. I kind of talked about in the uh, previous episodes. So we had kind of these two storylines going along, one mm-hmm. in the past and one in the present okay uh we are now reintroduced to what you think is the past but now again is the present oh okay with the main character who had the cliffhanger in episode two that i complained about how we didn't get back to her because i don't know apparently they didn't want to you know edit it that way they wanted to just reintroduce (laughs) another main character in episode three uh so we've come back to that character who got jettisoned out of an airlock in a nice you know, a little container, essentially. Okay, yeah, that's kind of a hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah, and uh, so we get back to that, and we get her whole backstory, which is odd, because it feels like this was supposed to be the first episode of the series. We get her whole cultural heritage, who she is, the planet she's on, why they don't believe in science. They do this whole thing, which you would think, okay, they're going to do a little back flashback to show you, you know, where she's from. Yeah. With a character, mind you, who was not in episode three or four. Yeah, so it was. So you have this character in the first two episodes. Um, they go through the story that is presented to you at this point in time. Ignore her for two episodes to establish a different storyline, a set of storylines that are going to be connected, obviously. And then come back to it, but it's uh, an origin of the an, person from the first two. A flashback of her flashback, which. Is odd because can you do that? Can you flashback in a flashback? Well, that you know, I didn't. I, <laughs> I, this opens up right, and the show's beautiful. Like that's yeah, the thing. Like I'm yeah. in. I'm in on that point. Like I'm, all right, this is cool. Like I get what they're going with it, right? So you get her whole backstory. And you think, okay, this is like going to be a five minute scene. It's like a twenty minute scene. All right, so this is like a third of the episode. You're getting her backstory before they show you. Okay, she's in the present now because the the cryogenic life support system that she's on has kept her preserved for dun, 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 thirty years. All right, so. She got jettisoned out of the, the uh, spacecraft as it was heading towards the planet, the planet they were going to colonize and try to be the foundation, hey, hey right? yeah, about that. for the coming world after it falls. So she's essentially in space frozen for the time it takes for her original aircraft carrier to get to the planet. They have 34 years on the planet. She awakens now on this ship randomly that she's docked on. She's been in space for, you know, three decades plus. 
Wow. <laughs> and they do the whole backstory of her with the heritage before she got shipped off and all that stuff. So they go through all that. And we're like, okay, we're finally the president again. So what's going on? So this is where they connect the, th- the third and fourth episode of the new main character okay. with this old main character. So I'm like, okay, we're finally going to attach everything so together. everything is weaving together, and finally it is coming into togetherness there. All right. It's going to make sense, right? It's going to make <laughs> sense. Well, you say right as if it's not going to make sense. So my thought is, Uh-oh. well, this is easy. She's clearly been on this ship. She's going to be heading towards this planet, and they're going to meet, and then you know, there's, the confrontation's going to happen, and she's going to save the day. No, she's heading towards a black hole. Or oh. some variant of a black hole, a black something in space that she can't see. Yeah. We'll just call it an anomaly at this All right, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go with the Star Trek terms on this point. Yeah, yeah, some sort of space anomaly. She has no access to the computer, but she's really smart. So, like, kind of in the Star Trek way where they do this, where you have to kind of like weave through the computer's stupid. Well, you don't have authorization to that. Well, do I have author- the authorization to this? Well, yeah. Okay. So it's it's a cool scene. She goes through it All and right, mathematically cool. figures out where she is. And then tries to figure out where she's going. Then does a spacewalk. This is not the flashback either. This is another 20 minutes of her figuring out where she's going, right? And I want to like what's going on in the show. I want to because it's cool. It's just kind of going all over the place right now, it feels. Yeah, but like it, it... like we don't have any of the storyline with the three of not I'm going to call them brothers. So there's Day, Dawn, and Dusk. They're the three clones mm-hmm. that were the rulers of the main society. We don't get any of them in this episode, which is odd because they have been in every episode. So oh. they're gone now, but they don't really play a huge part in this episode because they're kind of just fighting on this planet and she's in space. Like those mm-hmm. are the two things that are happening. And again, I go back to this idea of Game of Thrones. All right, you want to weave all these storylines together, right? You got to do good world building. And the world building in Game of Thrones is right. You get Ned Stark, and the first book is Ned Stark, right? You introduce him, and then it's kind of they introduce Daenerys. I think in the second season. Yeah, we have no Ned Stark. There's no. I'm not drawn to any of these characters because they keep slip, sw- switching between all the storylines, and none of and them it, are lighting up. I think at this point, just I mean, and I haven't watched the show, so I don't know yet or anything. But just looking and focusing so much on this, it's definitely the character build up. They really want you to understand this character. And as long as they're going to keep this as a main character moving forward, it right now it probably seems like maybe it's more of a filler episode. But I feel that, and it's just a hope at this point in time, but a lot of the times when they do something like that, hopefully it'll lead up to something. Like if you're getting out, like in certain shows, like with The Walking Dead, if you're getting into a, uh, a secondary character or something who now suddenly has a big revelation, that person's getting whacked. Yeah, I don't feel like this is going to be happening for Foundation, but at this point in time, I don't even know. I'm just kind of hoping. I'm hoping that a lot of because I can I can tell where you're like I they don't know what they're doing right now and they don't know where they're going. I'm hoping that after maybe a couple more episodes, and it might be just kind of a long long slog if it's going week to week on this for you. Yeah, it, it, the thing that really makes it interesting to me is when you're captured in those first two episodes, you kind of understand the storyline and where it's going. You think and, you do. And I feel like <laughs> if they're going to do this whole drawn out process of, you know, okay, there's this planet and they've clearly, you know, they they have weird sets of rules because they don't they're trying to rebuild the world, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the universe. It's like 
why do we not get the backstory of her in this first episode so the journey follows a hero's journey better where I'm kind of like engaged in everything that's happening? Yeah, and that's I totally get where you're going with that too as well. It's just it it seems that they're playing kind of loose with the time rules, which I've seen in other things and sometimes it's paid off and there's a lot of times where it has not. Uh, I'm thinking of Lost as one of those ones where after a little while the flash forwards, the flashbacks, I thought they were like fun ideas. And most of the time, they just were implemented not great. Yeah, because that's the thing. There's a really good storyline in here, even for shot for shot with what they have. And I'm not sure if it's because they wanted to capture the ratings and get people in on the first two episodes. But I feel like if they had redone it and not done any time travel and just kind of gone along with what happened and then... Maybe if they skip forward a little bit, like they tell you, oh, hey, we're jumping here after this episode, instead of going back and forth so much, Mm -hmm. it would have played out better because I legitimately do like the character storylines that's going on. It's just that every episode I feel like I'm fighting to get engaged because I get, you know, a quarter of the way into one of them with a long scene, you know, 10, 20 minutes, but no real resolution. And then I skip to the next one and we do the same thing. And then there's no real resolution. Then we skip to the next one. It's like we have three cliffhangers you've already shown you're not going to address the cliffhanger sometimes. So yeah. it's just hard yeah. to stay focused on the, the overall arc of the show. Uh, we're definitely going to be following this week by week with you and BJ since you guys are the ones who are watching it. But at the end of the season, I kind of want to see, um, especially on your perspective, if it ends up tying itself together. And I mean, if they're looking at having more than one season, yeah, maybe not every question is answered, but it's more along the lines of every thread going to come to a head for the season finale at this point in time because you need to do that, especially if you're introducing all these different characters across multiple timelines. Yeah, because if you remember at the end of season one of Game of Thrones, like it was pretty epic when you think you're following these characters and you're going to watch this world build out and then you know Ned get, gets axed. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is not going to be like most shows. You know, you're going to get engaged fully with a storyline and then it might just completely 180 on you yeah. at the end of the season. That could happen in this show. I just think, unfortunately, it should have happened with uh, some of the more uh, one main characters that they tried to kill off in season two, and they're doing this whole mystery th- or episode two, but they're doing this whole mystery thing with. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, if you do drive all of those points together at the end, you tend to get a pretty good payoff. Yeah, just and that's because, what I'm hoping that yeah. the payoff isn't gonna uh, suck the life, or is like the the journey isn't gonna suck the life out of the payoff at this point. And if you took individual shots out of the show and just put them as like your screensaver, they'd be amazing. You'd be like, wow, what is that show from? It's got to be great. So I think they'll save themselves anyways. Yeah, and then season two will get better for that same reason. I think it's just hard in this day and age when you're trying to like capture a huge audience in those first two episodes and really. Yeah get them engaged and then tell a big story like could you do game of thrones now and have people really pay attention to all the characters it'd be tough it'd be interesting to see and uh they'd have to finish those last two seasons a lot better but but i'll say it again i'm 66 (laughs) percent in love with the show which is still a passing (laughs) grade a a, yeah it's fresh uh, according to the rotten tomatoes and you know what it sounds like you're going to be keeping engaged at least till the end of the season see where it goes yeah again it's it's exactly how i felt about like some of my favorite sci-fi shows like i get objectively that they're probably not that good and people aren't (laughs) going to like them but i love the genre and what i'm and i'm you know and as much as I love to be like, oh, what are they doing? It's still, I'm engaged enough to watch it. So clearly Absolutely. I don't hate it. <laughs> exactly. And uh, let us know how you guys out there feel about it. Send us messages via our social media or bjgeeknation at gmail.com. But now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Well, Vicky, it's Friday, so I have to assume that you're going to be talking about Christmas stuff. 
I mean, no, don't, no. Let's just talk <laughs> movies. No, no, All no, right, no distractions. Movies. <laughs> uh, well, we got to talk about the big one, whose mm-hmm. pre-sales are quote squashing unquote both Marvel and James Bond ahead really? of its opening weekend. It is. It is going to be probably one of. One of, if not the biggest movie of the year, and it's not even a Marvel movie or a Disney movie. I know. Or Star I know. Wars movie. I, I, yeah, right. But, but it's it, still a remake. It's, <laughs> it's a remake. It's set in a uh, galaxy far, far away. And I know, Joe, you are super excited about this based off of Frank Herbert's work, Dune. Dune, 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 Dune. Now, Dune did have a movie when it first came uh, 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 quite a while ago that actually had Sir Patrick Stewart in it, uh, Sting. And uh, was directed by David Lynch. And what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it ended up being a little bit of a mess, but uh, also a lot of people do love it. I have a feeling that this one's going to be spectacular. I have really high hopes for it, so you better not screw it up, Dune. So it's looking like they're going to be setting box office records, even pandemic-adjusted ones. Oh, wow, okay. So the tracking for Dune's domestic opening is, I mean, it's varying because it's obviously not here quite yet. We'll hear it uh, probably next week sometime. Mm-hmm. But independent estimates are putting the opening weekend at 30 to $35 million. Which is pretty big for what we're and, dealing with and, now. And this is based on the strong pre-sales they're reporting. And they're ex- actually kind of expecting, uh, you know, exhibitors are expecting closer to $50 million. And mind you... This is also premiering on HBO Max. Yeah, which would, which I mean, I know the uh, the director uh, Denise uh, Villanueva. I think so. He uh, he's talking about he's not happy with that. Most people who are dealing with the, the the directors or a lot of the actors are not necessarily happy that it's coming out on HBO Max as well. But also, I feel that this is one of those movies that. I'm going to be watching it on HBO Max. Huh. I didn't realize uh, uh, the director also did Arrival. If you want to mind yeah. of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But along with those lines, it's just the fact that I feel like in order to get the scope and the epicness of this, I'm still going to be one of watching this in the theater. Mm-hmm. Maybe with the RPX, maybe with the IMAX. I don't know if they're doing it with IMAX, but I definitely want to. So is it free on HBO Max then? Yes. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's the thing with HBO Max is like when they announced that they were doing this for this year, the simul things, uh, that it would come out for free if you have the HBO Max subscription. Um, not like Disney with their premiums where it's uh, 30 bucks a pop uh, to get the early release of the movie. And as of the time of this recording, it is certified fresh at 87%. Damn. Now, I know Black Widow had the problem, right, where Scarlett Johansson sued the company because she, I think her bonuses were tied into it was, the amount of money the movie Yeah, makes, it was right? contract-based stuff. And that's kind of like the big problem that a lot of the companies are having. Uh, or not at companies, but the the, the directors, the directors and producer, actors, yeah. and stuff like that. They're losing money on the back end. So it's affecting people's bottom lines. And even with Disney and Scarlet, like they settled out of court because Disney knew that they they're, they're, they weren't doing it the way that would be advantageous for the contract that they'd already given them. I mean, I don't, it's like you kind of, as a person who's not an actor and doesn't make that much money. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's easy to be like, oh, calm down, you're getting paid. But the amount of training and work it takes to get into not only movie shape, but also to do all these stunts, to do oh, all this yeah. work and to put like, all these different things aside, because I mean, she's a mom too, like, or any actor really. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, it's still a lot of work and it's physically demanding. So if you're expecting, like, hey, this is how much I'm going to be paid for this amount of work, this is, and then you're not, mm-hmm. it is still 
not Ab- fun. Absolutely. I know that was a major shift in movies of the last like decade or two was that since they don't make DVD sales anymore, yeah. all that money and stuff, a lot of the money comes from box office sales, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of the actors now have their bonuses and stuff tied into it. So yeah. I wonder how they work around that now when it shifts to being on a streaming service. And I don't, and it's, and it's even looking at this, like even when they announced that they were going to be doing this with a lot of the HBO Max stuff, um, <laughs> it was essentially a, an experiment to see what they're doing. And then, and then after this year, because they said they were going to do it all the way through this year, I don't think a lot of them are going to be down with this again uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if you're going to see movies just being funded by big streaming services now as opposed to, you know, the motion picture. And we've seen that uh, with, yeah, the motion picture industry. Or at least some sort of, like, contractual, like a little uh, asterisk. Like, if there is some sort of pandemic or something crazy happening, I should be entitled to this amount of money based on this. And we are seeing a lot of it with Amazon. Amazon is putting out their own movies or movies that they've bought. Um, mm-hmm. That have already been shot, like then just Amazon exclusive ones, and it's not just the strange B movies that are out there. A lot of times, some of these are big budget blockbusters mm-hmm. that <laughs> I tend to want to watch on the big screen, much like Dune at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the amount of amazing actors that are in this movie, we got Timothy Chalamet, who's like the next biggest. Timothy thing. Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> like I feel like we're not only seeing him everywhere, we're going to continue to see him everywhere. Like he's going to. Yeah. There were photos that were leaked. He is going to be playing. Uh, Willy Wonka in some sort of prequel in or a something. Prequel, yeah, young yeah. version. There's images out there of him in costume, and he looks really great. Oh, he's a beautiful boy. He's a, <laughs> he's a beautiful little boy. I think I feel like he's 12. I know he's an adult, but I'm just yeah. like you little boy. Anyways, Oscar Isaac's also in this. Josh yeah. Brolin, your bro. Mm-hmm. Stellan Skarsgård, who was the the professor in like Thor in Avengers, the first oh, one. He's the yeah. dad of the Skarsgård kids. Okay, is he really? No, yeah, they're all related. We got Tarzan. We got Pennywise. They're all related. Uh, I mean, it, that I guess that makes sense because that is a very distinct name. Yeah, but, no, it's, like, it's I a didn't whole know if family. maybe it was like a Smith in another uh, in another culture. It's mm. just like everyone's a Skarsgård. Don't worry no, about it. It's, right. it's a now whole... this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, they're all from Sweden. There's like yeah, there's Pennywise. I, I forget their first names. I know there's Alexander. Like and but, Bill. But you got Tarzan. Bill Skarsgård. Pennywise. Um, who was also in another one? Uh, yeah, they're, like the whole family is just talented and beautiful, and it's annoying. We've got uh, uh, what Jason Momoa, Jason Momoa, of course, and Dave Bautista. I mean, he's pretty fantastic as well. Zendaya, <laughs> mm-hmm. Zendaya, Zendaya. Yeah, uh, Javier Bardem. There's, I mean, and this is this is an epic. If you don't know anything about Dune and it, Polka Dot Man, sorry, <laughs> Polka Dot Man. Oh yeah, David Dave, Desmulchian, mm-hmm. which is great because yeah, he was Polka Dot Man in Suicide Squad and stole appa- the show. Oh yeah, and apparently a lot of people are saying that his role in this one is really good as well. Okay, damn it! Now I'm gonna have to go to the theater. <laughs> if you don't know anything about Dune, uh, epic sci-fi. Uh, epic, I guess, really. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really based on a planet called Arrakis, where they are having to. Um, basically, there's this thing called spice melange, and it helps you do all the cool things. It's like the spice runs the galaxy at this point in time. This is the only place you can get it, and so obviously, what are you going to do about that? People want to control it, so there's going to be fighting, lots of betrayal. Think Game of Thrones in space, a lot of that sort of stuff. Okay, and I mean this uh, this director has got a pretty a good rap sheet under his belt because I'm looking at like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes you can mm-hmm. see their filmography and for the exception of a few that are probably you know more from a different uh, like country or something or yeah. whatever 
All of them are 81% and above. Yeah, yeah. This is a really good guy. He was the one who did Blade Runner 2049. Which got 88% uh, yeah. certified fresh. Very Arrival. Much, yeah. And Arrival. I haven't seen Arrival yet. So I can't say too much about it without spoiling it, but it is a mind F. It mm-hmm. is so well done. And I wish you guys could see it in theaters because it deserves to be on the big screen. Okay. But it's one of those psychological, once you go to the end, you're like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, make you want to go back and rewatch it then a at little that bit, point. But yeah. your heart's a little like, I don't know if I can take it. Oh, wow. <laughs> just because it's like you're still processing what you just saw, but your heart is connected to these characters. Like he found a way to connect you to these characters that are dealing with aliens coming to Earth. Yeah. And trying to communicate with them and what their arrival means. Oh, uh, yeah. OK, yeah, like, I remember. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. But there's some other elements in play that really just whew, well, I think with the like with certain things that happen and are said and done, I don't know if Joe will like it because I just Joe. assume Joe won't like it. <laughs> I, think I, I think I saw that was with um Amy uh, Adams and Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I saw that one. That was a good movie. Okay, oh, Ooh, look at that! Oh. It's got the Josie little approval. Yeah, I mean it was ninety four percent of Rotten Tomatoes, so I know that's not out in theaters. But if you get a chance to see that, definitely watch it because it is in that mystery. Th- I don't. I don't want to say thriller. Yeah, but there's that suspense. You're like you're not really sure what's going on. Oh, totally. Um, I will quickly give a little heads up about other movies that are coming out. If you have kids and that may not want to watch Dune or it's not <laughs> date night week or whatever, uh, Ron's Gone Wrong. I keep hearing about this, but I'm not 100 sure what it is. It's not a Disney movie, but it is a children's movie. Yeah, I. It's 20th Century Studios and Locksmith Animation, and it's a story of Barney, a socially awkward middle schooler, and Ron. He's new, walking, talking, digitally connected device, which is supposed to be his best friend out of the box. Ron hilariously malfunctions, sets against the backdrop of social uh, social media age, launched them into an action-packed journey in which boy and robot come to terms with wonderful messages, uh, mess, the me- wonderful messiness of true friendship. And Ron know, is voiced by Zach Galifianakis. Which Whoa. is hilarious, too, because it looks like a baby Baymax. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, so it feels like it will be something along those lines. Uh, the artwork has like a mix like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs yeah. mixed with Luke mixed with ratatouille mixed with you know it kind of that vibe. that's the one i remember too as well uh this is uh jack dylan grazer plays barney the middle school kid you remember him as uh the like the best friend in shazam ed oh, helms yeah. is in this rob delaney <laughs> took me a minute to figure out who he was he was uh peter in deadpool 2 <laughs> he's just the normal guy <laughs> the one with no powers <laughs> an actor that i'm really enjoying more and more in uh, J- uh justice jesse smith who was in Detective Pikachu? Oh, was he the uh, the I, kid? Yeah, he was oh, the kid. Okay, like I'm, okay. I've seen him. I'm seeing him more and more in other things, like uh, in trailers for movies that are looking like I want to see this or shows or everything. But I feel like he might be another one of those guys that we need to keep an eye out for. Nice. Last one, definitely. I believe this is Netflix. I could be wrong. The harder they fall, and it's the cowboy. Like um, that cowboy movie western that has a predominantly African American cast. Oh yeah, Zazie yeah. Beats, I, I believe uh, Idris Elba, yeah. like all of them. Jay Z's a producer on this. Jonathan Damon Majors, Wayne, yeah. Lots. That'll be an interesting one. Yeah, that I is, really want to see that. It is out on Netflix. So you can check that one out too. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.